Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome to part two of our lecture on uh, pancreatic tumors beyond uh, adenocarcinoma. And I mentioned, and we started to talk about IPMNs, the fact that it's one of the real challenges in radiology these days, that we pick up so many incidental IPMNs, and the question is, how do you manage them? There are a number of different criterias. Typically, we speak about size. Patients will get resected if it's over three centimeters. If it's growing more than two millimeters a year, if you see a mural nodule, particularly an enhancing mural nodule, if you see thick septations, particularly enhancing septations, and patients with unexplained uh, increasing abdominal pain and unexplained episodes of pancreatitis with no risk factors, those will all trigger surgery. The issue with IPMNs, it's kind of this genetic process where you go from normal duct to panins, you worry about this pre-malignant state. You know, IPMNs in a small percent of cases under 10% will become carcinomas. And so the question is, when can you pick it up? Can you pick these up early, resect the patient, and prevent pancreatic cancer? It's very, very challenging. How do you do that? How do you pick it up when there are macroscopic precursors? We speak about the entire spectrum from normal to panins to invasive tumor. Very, very difficult. When you think about IPMNs, they can be small. Remember I mentioned in the first talk, better the scanner, the better the technique, the more lesions you will see. Here's a one centimeter lesion in the body. If you look hard enough, you will see communications with the pancreatic duct. Sometimes MR is better for looking at the communications. Coronal views are very nice for looking at that. They can be larger. Here's one with thin septations and several centimeters in size in the head of the pancreas. And again, it's interesting with size, sometimes the largest dimension is the coronal. This one has a septation, the septation's a bit thicker. This was eventually resected. Here's another one, this patient was younger. If you look at this case, I might say an MCN. Sometimes IPMN and MCNs look identical. One thing that helps often is IPMNs are associated with a dilated pancreatic duct, but that's not always the case. And in this situation, you don't see a dilated pancreatic duct. With IPMNs, one of the challenges is they're often multiple. So here's multiple lesions in the head and body and tail. And if you're going to resect this patient, which one do you resect? Do you do a total pancreatectomy? That is high morbidity and mortality long-term, even getting past the surgery. Patients become brittle diabetes, diabetics, all sorts of issues. So it's really not a simple case. And we see many patients like this one with multiple cystic lesions. What do you resect? Which one do you choose to resect? It's not an easy decision. Now, all of the cystic lesions, IPMNs that I've shown you are side branch IPMNs. When you have a central IPMN, what happens is the main duct dilates typically over seven or eight millimeters. And you can see, look how dilated the duct is. And main duct or central IPMNs Everyone essentially would recommend that it's associated with a high chance of malignancy. Every one of these will get resection and typically will get a pancreatectomy. Now, there are many recommendations. Here's the ACR, and this is their recent recommendation. Surgery should be considered for patients with cysts larger than three centimeters. If a lesion is a serous cyst adenoma, surgery is deferred until the cyst is larger than four centimeters. Patients with simple cysts smaller than three cm can be followed but attempts should be made to characterize cysts larger than 2 cm's at detection. If this cannot be done based on the available imaging studies, MRI is the preferred procedure. Cysts smaller than 1 cm cannot be further characterized, 
and so should probably be followed up less frequently. One would also suggest that in patients who are much older, who have other risks, perhaps if you're not going to operate, then why bother following the patient? Comments about aspiration at times. And again, this thing about asymptomatic. If patients become symptomatic, abdominal pain, unexplained pancreatitis, those are the patients who are going to undergo surgery. Now, other places have different guidelines. I mean, some places are more aggressive than others. Here's the management and Mass General. Annual imaging surveillance is sufficient for benign serous adenomas under 4CM and for asymptomatic lesions. Asymptomatic thin-walled unilocular cysts under 3CM or side branch IPMN should be followed with CTRMR at 6 and 12-month intervals after detection. One of the challenges is how long do you follow them for? Is it for one year, two years, like a lung nodule? The problem is there is no cutoff. People don't know when to stop because the risk doesn't go away. Do you scan them for the rest of your life? That's the challenge. Cystic lesions with more complex features or growth rates of more than a centimeter a year should be followed closely and recommended for a section if the patient's allow, condition allows surgery. Symptomatic cystic lesions, neoplasm with malignant potential, lesions over 3CM should be referred for surgical evaluation. Okay? An EUS with biopsy can be used preoperatively to assess the risk of malignancy. So the big thing is you can see mass general, as we would agree, over 3CM, you're taking it out. If it's growing, you're taking it out. Symptomatic lesions, you're taking them out. So Hopkins, you can see the follow-up three to six months, depending on how the lesion is detected, uh, depending on the risk factors of the patient, potentially EUS at the beginning. And then, you know, our surgery is main duct IPMNs, MCNs, and growth, and a lesion over three centimeters. Now, this whole idea about cystic lesions, you really need to have coordination between surgery and radiology and pathology and GI. And this was an article on the multidisciplinary clinic on pancreatic cysts at Hopkins. Very good article showing what we do. And I won't go through this chart, which is hard to see. But it really shows you a very discreet pathway for how we do things. And we try to follow the pathway. It's really the only way you can manage these patients and have really good quality of care. We show that our recommendations are different than other institutions when you compare uh, the, the, how we manage these patients. Now, of course, you can always argue, how do we know we were right and they weren't? That's a good question, but it does make the point that there's lots of variability in how people recommend treatment, how people triage patient by risk, and how patients are followed. So again, it's somewhat challenging, but in our uh, multidisciplinary conference, uh, management of patients with cysts were altered in up to 30% of cases assessed. So that indeed becomes very important. Some other comments from the clinic. The most common diagnosis was branch duct, IPMNs, uh, MDPC, MPCC, the conference review, altered risk strategy in 11. Management category was altered in 68 of 225. That indeed is very impressive. Sometimes it's more aggressive management. Sometimes it's less aggressive management. Again, this clinic altered the management of a third of patients assessed in the clinic. In the majority, surveillance was recommended with surgery in less than 10% of cases. None of the patients in whom the recommendation was changed from surgery to surveillance developed malignancy during the follow-up. So we seem to be doing things correctly, but it is somewhat of a challenge how to go about that. Now, when we speak about cystic lesions, and let me leave IPMNs for a, for a moment, because we mentioned before about the potential for malignancy, 
MCNs are going to be removed. IPMNs will be removed depending on the history and size. We'll talk about spend tumors, which were called Hamudi tumors, solid and papillary epithelial neoplasms. And then we'll just have to mention that sometimes solid tumors, even adenocarcinoma, and not surprisingly, neuroendocrine tumors can become cystic at times. So this case is a pancreatic cancer, this widespread liver mets. It looks very cystic. Could this be a cystic neoplasm with malignant degeneration, biopsy-proven adenocarcinoma? So sometimes adeno-CA will indeed be very necrotic. So that should not come as a surprise to you. What else? Under the category of cystic pancreatic lesions, one thing that makes the list that was seen more frequently is neuroendocrine or islet cell tumors. Now, when we think about neuroendocrine tumors, we're thinking about large masses, hypervascular, prominent blush, prominent washout, early venous involvement, and that's all true. But we can see them in a little different appearance. Although um, they are typically solid and vascular, occasionally they may be cystic with or without solid components. Cystic changes sometimes is noted in larger lesions because of necrosis, but small lesions can also be cystic. And in fact, these cystic ones, these one to two centimeter ones are often more challenging because it's not clear, you're not thinking about a, a neuroendocrine tumor. Um, again, if you make the diagnosis of a neuroendocrine tumor, it's gonna be resected. So it's a very important diagnosis. So several things to recognize. If you see a cystic lesion and has a thickened wall that's enhancing, you better think cystic neuroendocrine tumor. And if you see a cystic lesion with a wall and just a wall is enhancing with no stranding around it, you better be thinking of a neuroendocrine tumor. These tumors truly have definable wall issues. 25% are associated with men's syndrome, these, these are different syndromes, but again, 75% are not. This is a great example. You look at this lesion, what is it? Image on your left, it looks like a cystic lesion. Could it be an MCN, IPMN, serous adenoma? But then when you look at the next set of images, you can see it's cystic with septations, but there's nodularity, and there's also enhancement. It's not that smooth lesion. The wall is thickened. Something is wrong here. This is a cystic lesion, and you have to worry this could be a malignancy. And here it is again, and when you look at the 3D, that enhancing wall is of great concern. This was a cystic neuroendocrine tumor. Or this case, very nice example. You might think about an MCM when you look at this carefully, but here's where technique is everything. If you have late venous phase or delayed phase, you're not gonna see rim enhancement. But if you have early phase imaging, we do dual phase imaging, and you're able to do 3D reconstructions, look how nicely you can see the rim enhancement. You see, it's not just a cyst like an IPMN or a cirrhosis adenoma or a simple cyst, but there's rim enhancement. When you see rim enhancement, that's a solid mass with rim enhancement with cystic components, and that's going to be most classic for a cystic neuroendocrine tumor. On venous phases washes out, there's the ring around the uh, zone by the tail of the pancreas. Just a beautiful example. And you can see it's not just that rare. Here's one, a cystic lesion by the head. This was initially read as a one centimeter cyst that the patient had experienced increasing pain over time. And then when you look carefully, there's actually a blush around the lesion. And yes, it's cystic, but look at the blush. And that was a classic, beautiful example of a cystic neuroendocrine tumor. Now that's really on a small side. And here's one on a large side. You have a mass, it's enhancing, it's cystic, and it's solid. Now, and if I show the image on the left, the solid mass, you would always pick neuroendocrine tumor. Maybe the cystic thing you would not. 
But you should, because these lesions are both cystic and they're solid. And it's just a beautiful example of that, nicely shown on all of those images. So I think it's a very, very good example and something to really be considering. Now, in the category of cystic pancreatic lesions, you know, we talked about IPMNs, we talked about MCN, we talked about cystic neuroendocrine tumor, and the next thing that comes to mind is spend tumors, solid pseudopapillary neoplasms of the pancreas. They used to be called Hamudi tumors, for example. These are very important lesions. Now, we spoke before about how uh, we detect lesions in certain age groups, that things are more popular. Um, well, spend tumors, that's the case. They're usually younger patients. They're usually female. They're usually in their teens or 20s. So a very important diagnosis and one that we can make and you know what I'll tell you we'll do is why don't we just stop right here and let's start off with spend tumors. Perhaps while we're taking a break for an hour, maybe look at your book or go online and read some of the articles we wrote on spend tumors. And then I'll come back and we'll do some more talking. Thanks a lot.